play them on the money line, and then roll it over every single time they win. Way out of here. Oh, goodness. The last seven games in which they've come in with rest have all gone under. Plus 115, the price I paid for this, the yeah, I like it. Makes the catch at the 10, and he's in for a touchdown. This is Behind the Bets, the podcast. Welcome into the latest Behind the Bets podcast. I am Doug Kazarian. We're taping this on Tuesday morning, June 1st. So the calendar's June. Usually it's NBA Finals, but no, we're still in the first round of these NBA playoffs. Coming up, Aaron Renning, professional sports better out here in Las Vegas, will be joining us. You've heard him before. Here on the Behind the Bets podcast, does a really good job uh, in the market, breaking it down, getting ahead of the line moves. So I wanted to pick his brain. He's got some plays here. We also talked some of these series, and maybe you can just kind of aggregate the information from the two of us discussing and apply it for your own wagers moving forward. So a lot of good stuff to get through. But before we get to ER, I want to just uh, clear the air a little bit on a couple of things. Uh, we got some headlines recently about a draft prop bet that I made here in Las Vegas. Now, this is a while ago, right? It was the week of the draft, the Monday night of the draft, and it cashed. It was a 101 long shot, paid close to $300,000. Obviously, enormous score, life-changing in a lot of ways. And we, the, consequently, there were some headlines just because it was the biggest reported you know, win in the draft and also just being affiliated with ESPN. It, it, it moved the needle a little bit. And it was about Tyson Campbell, plays corner at Georgia, drafted in an index bet. So remember we had Mel Kuyper here on the pod talking about pay attention to position. You know, each, each sports book has sort of a few guys that are different between sports books. Some guys are D linemen that are linebackers at other places, things like that. And corner safety is another kind of uh, one that guys are in different sort of pools. And in this category of guys, he was the first safety drafted. Obviously a large part of that was Mo rig dropping the guy at a TCU and it was hundred to one. I hit it. It was awesome. Uh, for all the right reasons. But then there's some people who just kind of aren't really knowledgeable about sports betting, which is understandable. We're only three years into legalization and it's new territory. People just kind of making assumptions. And, you know, we have a long ways to go uh, as just everyone in terms of learning more about this. Now, obviously us here in the pod and, and daily wager, we're, we're more immersed in it and have been immersed in it for close to 20 years for myself. But there's just things written that I just want to clear the air because it was pretty ridiculous. Some of the stuff that was said, and I don't want to belabor it too long and get into all the details. Maybe I'll write about it someday because it's a fun story and how it all went down and all this other stuff. But you know, you have these like just throwaway comments, but they shouldn't be even made in the first place in terms of inside information. No, there was no inside information. We actually had Kuiper here on the pod and he talked about everything he knows and anyone who knows anything about the draft and or betting knows that the sequence of events that would have had to happen to have inside betting, it's just impossible. The, he went in the second round. So just think about trades and everything else and all the, you just don't know what's going to happen. If he was like drafted fifth overall, then I would understand the optics would be pretty bad. But even then it's a dangerous territory accusing people of being a shade ball and stuff. So just, you know, don't go there. That, that would be my advice to people accusing anyone. But I just want to let the listener know because I've always been as transparent as possible on the pod, talking about my losses as much as wins. And nothing, zero. And the reason I didn't mention the prop, whether it was here on the pod or on the daily wagers, because they took it down right away within an hour of wager. So it was, it was only offered to one sports book and then it was gone. So there was just really no point. But on the show, I did mention Tyson Campbell under 46 and a half was almost my best bet. Also, what was my best bet was ACC over five and a half players in the first round. And I said, make sure you find out if Notre Dame counts this particular year because they played 
in the ACC last year. So that's a really good. So ask the supervisors, read the fine print, make a phone call if you have to. That is a really good sort of angle and advantage you have. So I was encouraging everyone to get know about the ACC bet. And also even Kuiper said, pay attention to position groups because there are guys listed in both. And sometimes that might be an oversight, which in this case it was. Um, the other thing that people said is because there was like draft mistake, egregious error and all this stuff. And then, you, you know, it only got cash because of who you are. I can't speak for other states. And I, offshore is obviously a different world as well. But Nevada Gaming is awesome. They are super fair. And books have to go by the book. So, for example, there are stories out there that, like, there's just typos, like, input operator error, right? Like, a team is listed at plus eight and should have been minus eight. Things like that. There was one college football game where a team got 40 points instead of pick them in like an FCS FBS matchup and the book, the tickets were printed and the, the, the book tried to like argue with gaming and Nevada game is like, no, like the ticket is printed. You, it goes as printed and they had to pay those people. So for me, it had nothing to do with who I was, all that stuff. Like it just, Nevada gaming is the most fair organization. And like the books know that they have to pay once a ticket's printed, they can't well, void tickets after. Well, the that's the thing with Nevada is while a lot of States are kind of fast tracking their gambling things, Nevada, this isn't their first rodeo, and I guarantee they've had many cases like this before. So it's not like this is the, the first time it's come across for them. It, it might be for other states or for just people that aren't or they're new to gambling. But for those that have been living in this world, this isn't different or out of, you know, out of the blue. Yeah, I actually, there was a little bit of confusion. So I called an odds maker that day when I was, before I cashed it or when I was trying to cash it. And he just like, yeah, like you're, you have an open and shut case. Like this is a no brainer. You're, you're, you're obviously in the right. Like now in the past, when I brought up that 40 point example, and there's others over the years where it looks like, especially when it's like a second half line and the people are moving quickly to punch, you know, put up the lines, they'll, they'll ban a guy. If he's just like taking shots and things like that. I was not banned. I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, there was an index bet and I thought it was a soft line. Probably the fair market should have been like 25 ish, 30 to one. Once it, it was up for four weeks, but once the, there was momentum, they didn't change it, whatever. That's where I was able to get like an angle, but other books, like I bet Damian Lillard at 40 to one and other books had him at 18 to one. It's just every book has a different sort of liability and index. Now I know that MVP of the NBA is different than a safety prop, but also books have a national I mean, there's 25 States or whatever it is, right? Think about the handle big books have. And who knows what's going on? There was a minus 450 favorite in there that somehow didn't get drafted. So that's the that, those are the facts. 100%. That's it in a nutshell. I just want you guys to know if there is anything, I'm going to mention it. And coincidentally, something I did on this podcast a few years ago was my driving force into terms of wagering heavy on it was the 100 to 1 prop bet on the Patriots Rams first half, no touchdown. I talked about it for two weeks. A lot of you guys tweeted me saying, will you shut up about this prop bet? And it was eating away at me because I went to Vegas for work to do the story. I missed the opening night in terms of the odds. It dropped to 30 to one. I didn't bet it moved closed 18 to one. Sure enough, Rams, Pats, no touchdown the first half. It hits. And I told myself the next time I see something in that range, coincidentally, this was also 100 to one. I'm going to fire hard. So well, I've, how... shared, I've shared props that I love at 100 to one. It just this was pointless because it was taken down. Well, and that's the thing, too, with if you want to, quote unquote, beat the house you have to you know you want you need to shop around and not just go to the one place you always go to or the one app but then also kind of do some homework and look at those long shots because you know 
betting the favorites or those kind of close numbers, you know, might be a little more safe for you, but you're not going to get that payout. And we're, that's, that's where kind of just doing your homework and looking and seeing what's out there. Yes. And the draft we talked about is such a fluid market. Like, for example, um, you know, just to bring up a game right now on the calendar, like, like the uh, Clippers are seven point favorites tomorrow, right? They're not going to close underdogs, right? Um, but in the NFL draft, look what happened with the third overall pick that market, right? You had the, the morning of it moved to Trey Lance. And then just over the course of that past month, there's so much fluidity here. What happened here is when the lines got put up a month in advance, again, these lines were up a month ish, maybe three, three and a half weeks kind of thing. Hundred to one was probably the right price for a guy. Cause you have to think about the hold percentage too, in an index. And this goes for all, all you know, books and they, they have various hold percentages is, when there's a minus 450 favorite and the next two favorites are, are like two to one and like five to one, all the other guys have to be big odds, right? You have a minus 450 skewing it all. So 100 to one is probably right. Now, the key is, is when there's stuff happening, like in this case, he was climbing the boards, like his over under at a book was 60 and a half. So you could bet over under. So he was supposed to go like maybe third round, right? Because 64 would be the first two rounds. So then he got bet down. I was one of the guys betting under 60 and a half to 46 and a half. I still thought under 46 and a half, but that, that news happened in the, like, you know, that news surfaced for like two weeks or maybe a week, I should say, but there's a domino effect. And then the index didn't get adjusted accordingly. So they, that's what happened. It's called derivatives. So for example, let's say like Giannis is scratched in a game, like the, the game line's going to move. The first half's going to move but maybe like props of Middleton will be slow. And those are sort of derivatives of like the domino effect. And maybe like the, there's, there's a uh, props out there like bucks to win first half and game and things like that. There's always things that don't necessarily move like they should. And this was kind of one of those things. So it was a soft number. Like I said, it probably should have been 25 or 30 to one, but Mo rig his over under was 24 and a half. So for anyone who thinks like, Oh, this was an easy bet. Like then you must've been betting over Mo rig and under, uh, Campbell, right? Like that's, it's so obvious. I just feel like there's a lot of revisionist history and people just not treating it like, because we all know the market for like sports bets. So if like when the, when the St. Louis blues won it all, it's like, Oh, that makes sense. They were long shots in January. That's crazy. But when this happens, it's like, Oh, must be inside information or, Oh, he, you know, he got hooked or he took advantage of a, like, it just kind of happened. And it was a perfect storm because it was a safety and it was just like, everything happened just the way it all went down. And so that's sort of the backstory. I actually end up talking longer than I thought I would. I thought it would just be like a brief sort of like, hey, don't, you know, let's just like, you know, just address a couple things and that's it. But I wanted to involve you, Travis, because, you know, sometimes I'm so in the weeds and sometimes with this terminology, is there anything else that was left out there? No, I, th I think you're pretty good. What was your reaction, though, when the bet got that line got taken down after you placed those bets. Well, I didn't know what to think because I'd never seen it before. So, like, I was, I, it got taken down by the time I got home that night. And, um, because I bet it in the kiosk at night because I, I, I noticed it at night. And when I was in bed, to be honest, at like 10 30, I was going to watch a movie because I was just spent from the weekend. And then I just, and I looked at uh, William Hill and they had taken down their safety, the entire index. So, I was like, I'm just going to get up and go, might as well. I, uh, I was like, well, I, I obviously had a suspicion that there was like maybe an oversight because I knew I mean, he, he might play safety in the NFL. He was being talked about as a safety. He played safety in high school. And as it turned out, Urban Meyer recruited him back when he was in high school and things like that. And then obviously Urban Meyer drafted him with the Jags. 
So I thought like maybe some big board had them and they used that index and not, maybe they were the first ones to market. Maybe that's what it was. It. Cause I know they had their stuff up like a month in advance. So that was my initial sort of, but I was like, well, let's just see it play out. It's not worth like asking about it now. It's pointless because it's such a long shot and it has, you know, but then the, you know, I think McShay's final mock draft had him late first round. I was like, Oh, I got a chance here. But again, it all came down to Mo rig. Like that was the key one, the minus four fifty favorite and him falling was like huge, you know, part of the whole process. So once, the Raiders did not draft him. That was the key. And then obviously other teams weren't going after safety. They were going after receivers or, or corners and things like that. And then it was just a sweat after that. But it, it's very, it's very elaborate. It's very uh, like, you know, advanced, you know, sports betting, right? Just like the index betting and how complicated it can be. But I mean, for example, there were two guys in the listed under corners, in this sports book that were safeties at another one. Cause so like that sort of cross thing happens. And like Kuiper even said on this pod about defensive linemen and linebackers, cause they're like called edges and things like yeah, that. Yeah. We said that, I mean, with him and then a couple of times you said it yourself, just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, do your homework, especially like you said that with, you know, the three, four, four, three defenses, you can get very, you know, you can get a guy that's some are listed linebacker. Some places it's defensive end. So it's just the kind of that, you know, you do your homework before you're going to, you know, place a bet. And it's crazy because everyone says it's going to change in the coming years because of this. And just in general, odds makers don't love it, but where's the draft next year? It's in Vegas. So uh, are they just not going to want that handle? And look, sports betting is nationally. They're going to, obviously everything's in a, a process, right? There's going to be new rules, whatever it may be. Um, but the, that, that who's going third overall amongst those quarterbacks, the Niners was such a huge generator of, you know, handle. So I just think we're going to have to get comfortable in this space and writing about this space and understand that, you know, stock market analysts also buy stocks and guys who do talk about sports betting and who work at ESPN are also going to bet, make bets, but it's perfectly up above board. I understand the optics back in the day when I worked here in Las Vegas, Travis, I understood that I went to UNLV basketball practice and they made a run to the sweet 16 in 2007. And we would talk about the point spread on like radio hits and things like that. But I was careful not to go make a bet over the counter because just the optics, you just don't want to be seen as a guy who's betting inside information. I just felt that came with the job. I understand. And sometimes optics matter more than the actual. Was I having any inside information? The guy hurt or bum ankle? Of course not. Um, But you just don't want to go. It's just not worth it. Right. So if I was like a draft analyst, like I'm sure McShay and Kuiper are not firing at the window. Um, but we are talking about it on our show and stuff like that. And there's nothing that goes on that here's an even better example. So I, I had bet, um, the quarter that, you know, the third quarterback pick thing, uh, in advance, like a month, I had plus money on both Jones and Lance. And I was like, you know, I'm just not, I just want to sleep better this week. So I'm going to bet, uh, pits at third overall at 50 to one. Cause you just don't know you know, what Shanahan was doing. He was keeping his cards. Yeah. So it's close it's all about so I, hedging your bet sometimes. Yeah. And 50 to one, you don't have to make a small wager to hedge the position. Right. You just, so again, I just wanted better sleep that week. So I actually did it. And the only place I did it was at William Hill because they had the 50 to one other shops at 40 to one. And so I actually spoke with Bogdanovich about a work thing. And then I was like, by the way, I don't know if you even saw this, but I, I wagered at 51, but it was just to protect something. He's like, Oh yeah, no worries, man. All's fair and love, you know, war, love and war. But like, I was like, I got nothing and it's not inside info. It's not, well, you know, and he was laughing about it, but look, here's the thing too. Is I'm not, I would like never Vegas, do that as my point. Vegas took an L on this one, but those buildings are out there for a reason. And they air condition the desert because they can, because they still win. Like, 
Yeah. So, and so and again, while they took a loss all here, across you know, the states, there's not going to be a ton of like, oh, let's stop making these kinds of bets available because we took one loss here. Like that's just that's they might tweak some things, but there's a lot of hotels out there in Vegas built off of losses from people. Yes. And a lot of that's casino too, but like the limits too, like people are like thinking I went into the cloak and dagger in the middle of the night, uh, an hour apart over an hour apart after betting a few of these wagers, at the chaos, I went back and did more and there's limits to the kiosk. So they, they make you do it in multiple bets. They don't let you do one. So like, again, I think it brings up the question, how much of the onus should be put on the player versus the house? Like at some point, like I don't have to like, you know, think what they're thinking or make us something like I just, you know, you just got to like react. And again, be- over an hour apart uh, between wagers. So they had all the chance in the world to move it and they didn't. So it is what it is. Um, you know, it, it, if things were different, would I have done it the same? I, I don't know, but I just know what factually happened. I uncovered it at night, drove down there at night. It was up for four weeks. I noticed it and I it went, it was all happening in a matter of a few hours. Well, that's also like the getting gambler, out of bed and going. The you knowing how, you know, you've been in this for a while, understand that when you see something like if you wait that may not be there and it's you know 10 30 is not that late so you go you know you go place the bet it's not like especially when you live out in vegas that's not that crazy to go drive down there and make the bet it's not you know i think a lot of people don't aren't that aren't living out there and aren't gamblers they think it's this crazy thing right and again this goes back to the patriots ramps i told myself if i ever get another situation and that's when i when i was betting the lillard thing at 40 to 1 and i was making i made a bunch of futures and lost more than I cashed. Obviously, uh, I was all about the MVP. I had LeBron at great prices, like six and seven to one, even eight to one. Um, and then I had Embiid at four to one. And then I had to just go in all, all in on Jokic just to break even. So I've had, and then because I also had Lillard, so I had this portfolio. So I've done a lot of this and futures. And you just have to massage and find the good numbers and have your outs. So it, it's all like a, a headache in a lot of ways. But you know, I told myself if I ever saw something like that, I'm going to go after it. And that's obviously what I did with this. Uh, you know, living and learning from the Patriots Rams uh, regret from a few years ago. But um, so that's like the backstory. Again, I wasn't, you know, I can still write about it because it's just so funny how it all went down. Uh, talking to a buddy as well. We partnered up on a lot of our uh, kind of collaboration of, of, of uh, you know, information gathering in the three or four weeks leading up to the draft. So it was crazy. It was obviously a crazy whirlwind, perfect storm. But I just want to thank everyone for taking, taking me behind this, taking you behind the scenes to it all. But again, I think the moral of the story is hopefully these outlets and other people will have people more knowledgeable or at least can shed some light. Like, for example, like Brian Windhorst had to write some sort of a betting thing for the NBA on something. And he called me. He's like, hey, can we talk about a few things? I want to bounce some stuff off you. What does this mean? What does that mean? I just wish more people did that instead of just making assumptions and connecting dots that just aren't there to connect. So that's my biggest beef. But I'm glad I'm glad you're there to be a sounding board on that, Travis, just because. I thought, you know, so you're so in, in the weeds and immersed in it all. You just assume people know all the terminology and know how it all goes down. But I, I just wanted to clear the air and just kind of reiterate or, or just um, explain exactly what happened. All right. So thanks for that. And but let's get to ER and talk some hoops. <laughs> That's some sweet action. <laughs> I don't want any sweet action. Do I, I got a gambling problem. Can't talk NBA playoffs without talking to our, our guy, Aaron Renning, joining us. He's been a frequent contributor here on the Behind the Bets podcast. ER, how are you, sir? Well, I'm doing good. Uh, certainly happy to be uh, joining you, Doug. It's been a little choppy in the playoffs uh, so far. Just seems can't get over the uh, 
the hill here with some of my side bets. Total's been going good. So, uh, but boy, a lot of games left and a lot of a lot of stuff to still bet on. Yeah, and it's been fascinating. I, I think probably the most interesting, and I hate just being like uh, the typical ESPN guy. Got to talk about LeBron. But I, I really think the Lakers, I don't think I've seen a series like this, right? Because you have a seven seed that is usually, you know, kind of an afterthought or whatever. But in this case, they have the most or second most liability for the books in terms of money and then uh, ticket count. And then there's such a marquee player in LeBron, marquee franchise like the Lakers. And they have to m- massage the series price, also factoring in all that liability. So they opened about $3 before even game one. It came down to like 170 or so. They were underdogs in game one. Nothing changed between games one and two in terms of injuries or venue, but then the Lakers are favored in game two. That's when Chris Paul gets injured. Then you have the game three kind of dominating win. CP3 looks banged up. Lakers are minus 900. And then with one upset, they're now underdogs in the series. Obviously, the AD injury changing things. I haven't seen anything like this. Have you? Well, I think you put it well, Doug. I mean, you you hit on all the... Uh, all the main stuff to talk about. It looked like an afterthought that the Lakers were going to go on and uh, win this series. They had shown uh, kind of their dominance inside that they showed last year on their way to win an NBA title. And yeah, to put really kind of the cherry on top of what you say, as you mentioned, the liability to the books, uh, the fact that they were the favorite to win the Western Conference. And at that point too, the Clippers were down 0-2, losing the first two at home. Uh, to really kind of change the momentum and things in the Western Conference as well. So certainly a ton has changed here in three or four days. Bingo, you hit the nail on the head. In that like 24-hour period, the West was just opening up. Jazz, I think, were struggling with Memphis at the time. And then also the Clippers were down 0-2, having lost both games at home. So it's it's been a roller coaster for sure, and we're trying to pick out those spots. I like the Suns a little bit tonight at five or better. I won't go higher than that. I think the Lakers are going to play hard. I think LeBron's going to be more kind of offensively driven with no AD. But I think the Suns at full strength. Remember, it was a bruised shoulders for for CP3. So it wasn't like a ligament or anything like this. Um, So I think his kind of looking better in the second half of the last game kind of makes sense, a bruise healing on that timeline. I just think the Suns are really good when they're at full strength and – I don't trust the Lakers. I really don't. I don't think they're healthy. I don't think LeBron's 100%. We know that. So I'll lay the five tonight, and I think it's a little bit of a house money game for the Lakers. Yeah, I I would argue against that and go against you. I'm in a weird kind of position in this whole thing. I had bet no for the Lakers to win the Western Conference, and I'd made that bet um, probably about three weeks ago before um, the play-in tournament, before the seeding. And, you know, I, I didn't like my bet nearly as well i mean it was just crazy the fact that what was the price um i laid minus 235 on the no okay that's good uh which was a really good bet because if you just did the math on that um the lakers had to be minus 200 in three straight series you know mathematically to to be equal to that and i'm just like i just didn't see that happening and obviously you saw that even in the first matchup against Phoenix where they were not $2 to start, but I didn't, you know, when I had made the bet originally, Doug, it was more, I mean, that was when it looked like they had to go to Denver and face uh, Jamal Murray for at the four or five seed. Then they had to play the Clippers or Phoenix. Then they would have to go on the road and play Utah as well. <laughs> and it just didn't shape up like that at all. I mean, 
it's amazing that Utah would get the one seed, the Clippers a four seed, and the Lakers would have the better draws, a seven seed. And you go back, and it was just kind of crazy if if they lose that game against Golden State, how that just changed the you know the dynamics in the Western Conference. Anyway, I'd consider here, making that bet now. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, we're we're here now, and again, things have just changed dramatically in the last 48 hours. I don't know what you've exactly heard uh, on Anthony Davis, but there's more to it. I mean, he was banged up to begin with. And, you know, certainly when I made that bet, you were also considering that it was just going to be hard to maybe get through the Western Conference with Anthony Davis healthy and LeBron James healthy. And again, for full disclosure, going back, I bet a little, certainly less, but I had bet Phoenix, or I'm sorry, Lakers to win this series before it started because I thought it was a favorable matchup which again kind of played out that way and then it didn't at halftime when Anthony Davis uh, went down so um, yeah as far as this game this series it's really to me it's hard to hard to say because you have a big swing here obviously without Anthony Davis and you're right you have to account that you know Chris Davis or I'm sorry Chris Paul uh, was it um, seven? You know, seventy seventy percent at tops, and now he looks like he's he's going to be closer to ninety percent. And again, Anthony Davis had been just a monster. Yeah, uh, down the stretch had that bad game one against Phoenix, but even in the play in, etc. And he's actually, to me, had better chemistry with this Lakers team. LeBron just when he came back. Remember when they got beat at home by Toronto? Mm-hmm. And he, he saw it even in the second half the other night. He's kind of looking at his, fe- his teammates a little bit funny, etc. cetera. Uh, the chemistry with LeBron hasn't quite been there uh, as well. And remember, he's not quite 100% as well. But, you know, Anthony Davis was playing 40 minutes, played 32 minutes during the regular season. So, and then on top of it, you talk about Chris Paul, this, that. Kyle Kuzma has been awful. I, I mean, he has been really, really bad in this series. And obviously he's the kind of the main guy uh, that would have to step up here without Anthony Davis. I had been playing these games under the total. Uh, I did not play. This is the first, first game uh, of the four Doug that I did not play under the total. And some of that is, you know, I think I played game one under 214, 215, whatever it was. Now you're down to 207 and, you know, it moved down uh, even a, uh, you know, maybe a point, point and a half without Anthony Davis. I'm not sure uh, that he means that much offensively or more defensively. Interesting, again, see how the Lakers uh, make their adjustments. The one maybe positive for the Lakers is you don't have that lane congestion that you had with the center, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, etc. cetera. Uh, but I, I, I mean, I think it's just kind of right how this one is priced uh, I'm, I have, uh, you know, just as much, uh, questions as, as anybody, how the rest of the series is going to stand out. And anybody that says they love Phoenix right now, or they like the Lakers, I, it's hard for me to really argue each way. Really interesting. Okay. Cause I'm down on the Lakers. I just don't think they have the horses. And, right. uh, I just think, you know, the, just a big two, you need them both really healthy mm-hmm. to have a deep run. I think Utah's better. I think Phoenix is better. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out uh, the rest of the way. I want to uh, let's just rip through the couple games that are, we still have lines for right now. Portland, Denver. I'm on Denver first quarter. Just hearing what Malone said and some of the players said about how disappointed they were. 
I'll lay the half point. I'm expecting a strong start tonight. Do you have any opinion there or even the series price? Um, I agree with you as far as today, tonight's game. I would say first quarter, first half, uh, the way to look here for Denver. I, yeah, I love uh, the Michael Malone pressers after they get beat or they don't look good. Uh, those are always uh, entertaining. But, yeah, with that said, um, yeah, I, I, I thought Denver was probably a little bit undervalued in this yeah. series coming in, uh, a little bit too much love for Portland. Portland was just all out. Um, of course, the final two weeks of the season, certainly Denver, you know, what kind of level they can hit here without, um, um, obviously without Murray. So certainly hurts them, uh, et cetera. But I think we're on the same page. First quarter, first half Denver today. The Boston Brooklyn thing is interesting. I mean, we don't know about Kemba yet, obviously missed game four, but it's just fascinating. I was, I've been on the nets. You and I, I guess we're on them in the last game. I actually like Boston a little bit today. I Historically, teams that win by double digits, excuse me, lose by double digits in a playoff game and then catching double digits in the next game historically have done really well against the spread. Now, I know the, 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 the three-pointer kind of you have to like take everything with a grain of salt a little bit in terms of past stats prior to five years ago. But it, it's just tough in the closeout game. And Boston showed in game four that they're going to fight till the end. And they took a 25-point deficit in about five minutes and cut it to 15, maybe even 13. So I just – I'd rather have the points in my pocket. I don't think they win or come close to winning. But I also like the over. They've been just attacking the net suspect defense a lot. Now, they hit a lot of shots, but they were open shots, and they're attacking. I think the whistle is going to be favorable because they are the more physical and aggressive team, so they're going to initiate the contact on a lot of those drives. And the nets are just kind of like lazy a little bit and apathetic on defense. So I know we're opposite here, but I like the first half over a lot and even the game over. It's interesting. Uh, one one thing in this, you talk about the uh, the number here and how if you get beat by double digits, those are usually good bets coming back. I was actually surprised. Uh, I went back uh, the last twenty plus years, twelve uh, plus point favorites uh, in the NBA playoffs are actually over sixty percent against the spread. Hmm. Um, I was a little bit. I was actually a little bit surprised. I thought, Doug, that maybe there would be a trend under. That was not the case. In fact, it was the favorites that trended uh, well. I have not um, – I, I think the Nets are just clearly better. Boston, to me, was a little bit like Miami as far as it just hasn't been right um, all season long with this team. They haven't been as good defensively. We've seen them in the past years. Uh, they played deep into the bubble last year. I think they're just done. Um, I, I think this is probably a blowout. And 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 that was some of my reasoning as I played this under, and the market has certainly gone under me. I mean, or against me here. Uh, I mean, craziness, Doug. I played the, the first game uh, of this series. I played over 225 for a big <laughs> bet. And it never had a chance. Remember the first game? Yeah. Uh, 197 points. It turned out my handicap was probably correct uh, as those three, the, you know, the last three games have pretty much flown uh, over the total. But, you know, those totals, 228 and a half, 228, 229, huge move back here to 234, which, you know, obviously if you watch these last uh, few games, it makes sense. But at the same time, you know, without Kemba Walker, that certainly takes away uh, a little bit of firepower um, from from Boston, or at least they can pay a little bit more attention to Tatum, uh, who's done a you know a great job uh, the last two games. But 
I look at it like this, Doug. Um, I, I think it's gone a little bit crazy here. I think you're getting a little bit of value. It was just a parade. I, I mean, what the two teams combined for 80 free throws in that last game, I, it's just hard to, um, to, to count on that and figure that that's going to continue here. And I think, again, that it, it, this game has a good chance to be a blowout. So if you're talking less minutes for the big three uh, for the Nets and you get into that bench uh, into the second half, uh, et cetera, really for both teams. So uh, I think, you know, maybe we will see that high scoring first quarter, first half. I think it kind of dies in the end. The one thing, uh, you know, the Nets haven't played nearly as fast as they played at times earlier this season. You know, when James Harden is handling the ball in the main point guard, uh, the pace really hasn't been there uh, for the net. So that's some of my reasoning why I did play this uh, under, what, 234 now, kind of a crazy move. Yeah, my colleague, we talked about on the Daily Wager podcast, Tyler Fulgham, uh, likes over 10.5 assists for Harden. I believe he had 18 in the last game, and I, I do like that. Harden is the facilitator in mm-hmm. this and Kyrie won't be going as crazy without the Boston crowd and crazy in a good way, just like initiating all the <laughs> offense and attacking. Right. Um, so that is just, you know, pardon is just a machine when it comes to that. Let's go to tomorrow's action. Atlanta obviously has just dominated um, the, the last two games at home. They've been dominant since the all-star break at home, just ridiculous numbers, like 21 and two straight up, like 17 or 18 and four, something like that. Uh, but now the Knicks are laying one and a half here. I mean, I'm waiting for the Julius Randall game. Uh, eventually it might come maybe may have to wait till next season if they're eliminated but I uh I, I lean a little bit to the Knicks here but they've really only had one sort of half of basketball where they've outplayed Atlanta yeah I mean I, I made a lot of money off this Atlanta team uh, ever since yeah I remember you team. texted me a lot you're right uh it's been great um and this series has really played out like I think many of us ha- uh, kind of thought it would where Atlanta just has they have the better players let's be honest they have the ability to get to um, a higher level here. Certainly the Knicks were just all out in the regular season. There's just really nowhere for them to go, especially uh, with Randall playing such a poor series. And some of that, um, again, you know, Randall just couldn't really play any better than he did in the regular season. Probably a little bit uh, worn down, if you will. And, you know, we saw that with um, what was it, James Hart? Did he win MVP that year, Doug? But just remember when he was all out and yeah, just I, that ne- was the year when he had like uh 25 straight 40 point games or something. They never rested him, and, and then he got in the playoffs and he just didn't have it, didn't have his legs, and, and simply worn down. I mean, it's just it's the it's just totally parallel here with Julius Randle. He's just got nothing left. Led the, led the NBA in minutes in the regular season. So that's obviously the stu- the sticking point here and the trouble some for the Knicks. They just have nowhere. They have a you know what adjustments are you gonna make for the Knicks? They they just there's nowhere for them to go at this point. But with that said, um, obviously the Knicks have shown a ton of heart so far. They were great against the spread throughout the campaign as well. It's obviously a team that's not gonna have any quit in them. This would be their game on what figures to be a very strong home floor. So. Uh, I guess I would approach it probably a little bit more uh, like we talked with Denver tonight, maybe yeah. play the Knicks first quarter, first half, and you know maybe not trusting them that they wear down at some point in the second half and, and close the deal. I am fascinated by this Clippers series. Uh, <laughs> obviously, road teams won all four games. 
did not like Luca being hurt in the last game. That was visible. And it's too bad because I thought Dallas had a chance to bounce back. But it comes down to the they just have a big one. Clippers have a big two. Some other teams like the Nets have a big three. And it's just a lot to put on the Mavs when, you know, guys like Hardaway aren't going bonkers from three. Now, the Clippers made some adjustments. Ty Lue, give him credit mm-hmm. with uh, pulling Zubach off the court, going Batum at the five. And he said he was looking at video, old video of Boris Diaw at the five, just being that undersized center. And that's where we are in the NBA, up and down, very perimeter-driven game. And sometimes those are the moves you have to make, force a team to throw it in the post to their bigs, and then go from there. I I am uh, I, I can't bet this series. I can't bet this game. I have no opinion. I mean, give props to the Clippers, but that was a desperation move. And we've seen in recent games how hard it is to win three straight playoff games. Look what happened with Denver in game four. Look what happened with the Lakers in game four. There's a little bit of complacency that sets in. I was actually on Memphis yesterday, and they were just, you know, they just kind of wet, wet the bed a little bit down the stretch, and I did not get there. So uh, I, I can't play the Dallas even plus seven here. I did not bet this game as of yet. I, I do lean to the Mavericks. Uh, I might get there at some point, whether it's um, how I'm going to bet it. I'm not sure. Maybe I play them early. Maybe I play them in game. But that's certainly the side uh, that I'm looking to. You get a full seven points. Maybe you can pick up uh, seven and a half uh, somewhere the way this one is bet. But you're right. You know, the Clippers going small uh, really seem to change the dynamic. But, like, you know, it's really it was – to me, um, I mean, just everything kind of went wrong for Dallas in that last game. Um, they were embarrassed, uh, obviously, with their play, uh, getting beat 106-81 on their home floor. But, you know, through the first three games combined, uh, obviously the Mavericks were able to shoot over 50% from three-point land. You knew that that just simply wasn't going to be able to continue um, as the series went on. And, and obviously it was just the complete opposite. Five of 30 uh, from the three-point land. So, you know, the answer is somewhere in between uh, there, Doug. And again, Dallas very well coached. They have their chance, opportunity uh, to make their adjustments. We do wonder what kind of the health is uh, for Luca, as he is uh, kind of the one-man show to a pretty strong degree uh, for Dallas. As far as if they are going to win this game, he's got to play great. Um, So, uh, that's the way I'm approaching this one. I'm uh, not exactly sure how to play it, but um, sounds you know, like you're going to wait for some in game, maybe get an eight and a half or nine. Yeah, I'm I just looking towards Mavericks. Um, exactly how I'm going to play it, I'm not sure. All right, uh, final. Uh, you know, Memphis, Utah. I, I like the Grizz. The consistency's always been their issue. I, I just, I just don't want to be drawing dead trying to continue to bet into Utah mm-hmm. uh, this whole play, this whole series. So. I'm a little gun shy there. And then also Washington, Philly, all signs point to Embiid not being that serious. Even if they know Embiid, Washington's, excuse me, Philly's going to be better prepared. I mean, mid game, it's tough. They don't have a game plan. They're not, but going into a game, they, they, they'll, they'll fare okay without Embiid if they're prepared for that. Yeah. So I expect Philly to play much better with or without Embiid. They'll know what the status is and they'll know how to approach it and what the game plan is. And um, I'm going to go first half over again because that seems to be hitting in that series. Um, yeah, as far as Utah and Memphis, I have just not been good in this series. In fact, this series has cost me as far as having a very profitable playoff so far. <laughs> I've been making money on pretty much everything I've done except this series. I bet Utah game one. Um, I was surprised when 
Um, obviously, Mitchell was scratched. I, I didn't expect to see that. I came back and bet the Grizzlies um, in their last two games here at home. Felt maybe deserved better in that game, um, Memorial Day night, Doug, and you know Utah shot 50% from the three-point line. Uh, the Grizzlies just couldn't really buy a shot throughout that game. You would think again, uh, perhaps uh, that's going to change uh, the shooting luck uh, on one of these games. And again, if you can get double digits here with the Grizzlies plus 10 or more, that was kind of my buy price as far as uh, betting that. I actually bet this game um, under the total. Now, again, all four games uh, I believe have gone. Uh, yeah. over, the, over the total, but remember that first game, and some of that was without Mitchell, but the first game um, was, you know, 217, 217 and a half, whatever it was. So you're talking about almost a 10-point adjustment uh, on this one at now. Just very rarely in the NBA playoff series do you see every game go over the total. It just usually doesn't happen, and, um, you know, I'd bet the last Dallas Clippers game under the total as well, and your people are like, oh, you know, how, you know, how can you bet that under after the last two games? Well, uh, what goes up uh, probably is going to come down at some point. So, um, you know, I, I, as this series goes on, I, I think it probably just always gets a little bit more difficult for either team to score with adjustment after adjustment after adjustment. So um, I, I thought there was some maybe some opportunities uh, some value, uh, if you will. Uh, I think I bet under 226 on this Utah Memphis game. And yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um, I'm on the Philadelphia side of the equation with or without Embiid in the next game. I kind of doubt that he's going to play at this point, Doug, I kind of look at it like Embiid is probably not going to play unless they're get desperate whether that's game six or game seven at this point doesn't make a ton of sense that uh you bring him back but we don't know exactly where that injury is for them but yeah that's just it i mean they were i think what were they as high as nine and a half uh on monday and now you're talking what a seven point favorite on their home court so um seems like a little bit of an over adjustment towards Washington. Well, yeah, I mean, it's baked into the line, right, the uncertainty. But they were in minus eight in games one and two, so it looks like the oddsmakers at least think that he's going to be playing or the market does. I, I'm i going to stick with the first half overs. I think Washington's only chance in this series to score is early in the shot clock. So transition, they don't want to get into a half-court set against that length. And if Embiid's out, it actually hurts their defense as more than that hurts their offense, right? Like you bring I, guy- I think – yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of a wash. Again, you're just never okay. quite sure of the rotations. Uh, obviously, if you're playing uh, more Dwight Howard, but they actually went small a little bit. Right, you go Mike Scott. Yeah, well, even like Maxi played 22 minutes, et cetera, um, in that last game. Bertrands, I haven't heard on him. He could be out here. Probably hurts He's Washington. Out. He's out. Yeah, that's going to hurt uh, Washington's scoring a little bit. Uh, as well so but they, they've they played really fast and and obviously um as far as uh certainly their pace but again yeah do they go even more smaller without Bertrands etc yeah in the first half I typically like the over more but if you go game you might get some extra points in the uh hack of Simmons so to speak is that a good point. The game and yeah you have to yeah you have to keep that in mind right now in this series good point but then that was the only time they unveiled it was when there was a close game, right? They did it tied, which was just remarkable. Usually you do it down six or something like that, and you got it, you need the extra possessions, but they did it tied 
which turned out to be a bold move. And then Achimura hit the three to go from three point game to a six point game with about 45 seconds ago. And that was the proverbial nail in the coffin. So fascinating across that board, any series prices that jump out, like maybe Portland, Denver, anything, um, the, you know, Clippers, Dallas. I mean, it's up to four dollars now. Even the Lakers series. Any, any series price that you think is worth the play right now? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big series I, uh, guy, to be honest. I, I like to bet stuff game by game. Um, so I'm just not involved in anything. Like I said, I had bet the Lakers uh, pre-flop uh, to win the series, but I was um, against them to win the Western Conference. It's certainly, it was kind of one of those opportunities where I might have a chance to win both those bets. I think. You know, the Lakers' eventual matchup perhaps against Utah was going to be tough, but it might not even get that far. We talked a, lo- a little bit about it. I don't know if you're going to bring it up, but obviously fascinating now. Um, we'll see what happens uh, with the Nets here tonight. But, yeah, to try to come up and figure out a, a series price on this uh, Bucks nets series, which, you know, the Nets have looked so dominant at times and the way they're scoring – um, but obviously the Bucks have to be upgraded in a, in a huge way after what they did against Miami. So, um, you know, it, it, that's going to be a real interesting series price to make. Yeah. It's looking like we're going to get minus $2. That'll be mm-hmm. sort of the, 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 settling price. I, and futures, I mean, I'm sitting there with bucks at 14 to one. I also have the jazz at some pretty attractive prices, like 12 to one and then seven nice. to one conference, bet those in January. But in terms of the current market, so I'm kind of rooting those home. I don't, I'm, I want there to be an Eastern Conference versus Western Conference NBA Finals matchup. I hope, I hope we get our friends at William Hill from the show to put it mm-hmm. up because kind of like we do the advanced Super Bowl line, right? NFC versus AFC. I think the East is winning this title no matter what. Whoever really? prevails. Yeah, I, I don't see if the Nets can get by the Bucks or the Bucks can get by the Nets and then also the Sixers. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anyone in the West that can beat them. The Clippers look good. Clippers look really good. Utah looks good too. Uh-huh. But I think the East, the top heavy of the East is uh, far superior. I, I would make it like 170 or something, 160. That's uh, interesting. Um, be a fun I, bet. Yeah, I, the only thing I would say to that is, I, I guess I just feel in watching those games, that it's, it's again, that's just me watching these games. I've just felt like the play um, in the Western Conference has been better than the Eastern Conference. But the uh, bottom bottom of the conference for sure in the playoffs, like the yeah. Grizzlies, Lakers. The, to uh, me, to me, you know, yeah. To me, the shot making is just it's just better. It's at a higher level in the Western Conference, and you know, obviously, um, that's probably not accounting for the Nets here as they they gain steam, etc. I, I think um, with the Nets, how they played defense I, that's what I've been probably most surprised about and that's kind of went a little bit by the wayside a little bit but um, you know they played pretty strong at the defensive in the first couple of games you know if they can continue that they certainly they become a uh, tougher out but I I just don't think that much of this Celtics team and again they're yeah. a little bit under mad they so were, depleted yeah, yeah right you know Jabari Parker and Langford Langford <laughs> starting and Jabari Parker getting minutes. I mean, come on. So I, I still can't quite buy into this Nets team. I'm waiting for Carson Edwards to play. I'm shocked he hasn't. That guy, <laughs> right. that guy burns me on every bet, even going back to his Purdue days. I uh, Okay, so no futures for you. Um, we got a couple plays. All right, but it was good to flush it out because it is so fascinating. But 
you know, my, my clock's all off Memorial day. I'm used to the conference finals, NBA finals, maybe. And we've got first round action, these marathons on the weekend. So <laughs> it's been a little shock to my system. I imagine for you too, but it's good that we're getting it back and a lot of opportunities there. And like you mentioned in game, it was crazy. I was so hung out. I had, I had uh, Sixers minus eight on the end game, pretty okay. big. And then Embiid's hurt. And then I'm laying wizards minus one second half. Yeah. So yeah. I was well, uh, yeah, we're, sweating we're, that out. We'll miss these, you know, these, the first two weekends are always great because you got four games and four games, um, you know, great betting, uh, NBA playoff basketball all day. All right, my man. Well, I appreciate getting up early and taking the time and I know our listeners do as well. And we'll check back in soon. You bet, Doug. Good luck to uh, you and all the, all your listeners for the rest of the playoffs here. Pay that man his money. All right. Thanks again to Aaron Renning. Always does a great job and fun to pick his brain a lot so we, hopefully we gave you some plays on what stands out the most to us and obviously everything changes as we know from the Lakers Sun series every day things can change drastically and just a reminder we have another podcast daily wager podcast every single weekday posts around 12 15 to 12 30 p.m eastern in and out in less than 10 minutes Joe Fortenball Tyler Fulgham and I kind of we rotate, so two of us are always doing it, and we uh, give you our place for the day and break down that information again in and out in less than 10 minutes, and we have the Daily Wager show on ESPN2, usually 6 Eastern, uh, always uh, during the week, and then um, football season, different schedule and all that. So thanks again to everyone. Thanks again to ER, and thank you, Travis, as well, and we'll see you back here next week.